0: You Welcome. really do need to find a way to get the
1: uh, get that guy on there. Yeah, I
2: would love to. Welcome to yet another episode of When a Guy Has a Really Fucked Gender. As always, I'm your host Jolene, and you can support the show at Patreon on Patreon at the link down in the description. I promise there will be Patreon episodes again soon. I have with me today. Um, a third audrey we were talking <laughs> before we started recording and you were like this podcast has had two other audreys on you have a a good taste and uh yeah i think i've got good taste
0: <laughs> well anyone who collects audreys has excellent taste <clears throat> yeah
2: we've got we've got our third audrey um audrey how would you describe your gender
0: Oh, that's a big question. Um, I would say
1: I am a mm, queer trans femme lesbian woman. Okay. Yeah.
0: Hell yeah. And all of those words are like carefully carefully thought about.
2: Okay. Hell yeah. We'll break those down as we go, I suppose. Sounds good. Yeah. Um. Why don't you? Why don't we start by, by going back to childhood? Tell me yeah. about your childhood.
0: <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So I was born in Washington D.C. Ah, uh,
1: in the early '80s, and my parents lived in uh,
0: suburban suburban D.C. in in uh, Maryland. Uh, and interestingly, my parents were both members and met through a uh,
1: Christian cult, which was called The Way International. And it kind of had a, um, an, a an origin in
0: like, like technically it started in the 50s, I guess, but it got kind of popular in the 70s with um oh have you ever heard of the jesus people no Mm. so do you know that you know the elton john song tiny dancer right yeah (laughs) so when he says uh jesus freaks out in the streets and in tickets out for god Mm -hmm. that's a reference to the jesus people who were in uh San Francisco in the 1970s and late 60s. So it's kind of this melding of like hippies and Christianity.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's not what it's not entirely like what this cult was. Um, Basically, this cult was started by a man named Victor Paul Warewell, who Who had been a preacher, and I can't remember off the top of my head like what denomination he was, but he um basically claimed to have like received a revelation from God, and was like, "Everything you know is wrong." <laughs> and you know, I'm going to teach you the true meaning of the Bible. And you're going to understand it in a way that it hasn't been understood since the first century. So that was like this guy's whole premise. And that he, he claimed he had to have received that revelation like the 1950s. He leaves whatever church he's associated with. He starts up this group, The Way International.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was very like evangelical in a way. Like proselytizing was a big part of the group. Um, and it got, its membership grew in the 1970s was headquartered in, or still is actually, it's still a group today, Uh, headquartered in a place called New Knoxville, Ohio, which is between, I believe, uh, it's north of Cincinnati on like that western side, middle of nowhere. Literally not a place you would ever go. The nearest thing that of any interest to it is actually uh, Wapakoneta, home of Neil Armstrong.
2: Okay, I didn't... (laughs) I wouldn't <clears> have, <throat> yeah, I wouldn't have known that that was where we lived.
0: <laughs> Unless okay. you've driven through there, which, uh yeah, fun fact, I have. So yeah, so my parents were part of this cult,
1: um, and it.
0: I don't really have like a lot of memories uh, at, until maybe I was five years old. By the time I, I was five, well, actually, when I was two and a half, we moved from from the dc area to seattle washington and my mother was from eastern washington
1: and so this was kind of like home-ish for her okay
0: yeah and so as a kid like growing up the cult was basically a huge huge part
1: of our lives um as most cults are one thing
0: that made this one different than many others was that we had, instead of like meeting in like a centralized building, all of the meetings were in people's homes. Mm-hmm. I don't know, how much should I break break down like the beliefs here <laughs> or, or like, what? what do you want to hear? I mean,
2: you can tell me as much about their beliefs as are are really uh, relevant, um, or as yeah. much you feel are relevant to sort of your life. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the uh, for the Way International right now. I was it's, just looking at it. <laughs> um, it's it. I I just got to the differences from mainstream Christianity. and It's yeah. Interesting. Apparently, they're tolerant of abortion. Um
0: they were at the time i do remember that growing up like uh, abortion was like not a central issue for them at all at all like that's that's it, interesting
2: i, I mean because yeah. this is also really like the era in which like um anti-abortion becomes a big thing for um the sort of like evangelical american christians oh 100 um, percent. if i recall correctly at least i mean i guess the 80s Maybe it was in the seventies that they they really started to get. It was in the
0: seventies. It, it was it was after it was Bill in the uh, right. basically yeah
2: yeah okay. I know it's sort of like I've I've heard it tied into sort of um, the decline of like a segregation being like a a plausible political program kind of coincides mm-hmm. with the rise of um, abortion as a, a sort of political program for. Um, for evangelical christians but i guess that's all sort of um i guess maybe maybe secondary to yeah i don't know i mean like tell me about um i guess as much as you feel is is relevant i mean i would assume the most the most relevant thing right seems to me like what are gender roles like within this well
0: and so so for me the most relevant thing was like when i think about how it shaped my experiences there's probably two or three things. One is um, the just vitriolic amount of like homophobia.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: you mentioned that, you know, oh, they were tolerant of abortion. They were absolutely were. They believed that life did not begin until you took your first breath. So like that was literally the thing that's like, this is the demarcation, it's breathing. Not heartbeat, not any anything else, not conception, none of that. So that was like never a central like cultural or political issue as a kid
1: that I felt. Um, but the hatred and disdain
0: that the group felt towards gay people, mm-hmm. <laughs> was really intense and um probably like the single most thing i would say well maybe not the single but like top three things that fucked me up as a kid and this was as and i i didn't know it at the time that that's what was going on because i didn't see myself necessarily as um as trans it wasn't or you know or a lesbian or any of those things i didn't recognize oh by the way like this is how i identify and therefore right but it but and i think part of that though is the sense that how could you how could i possibly identify as any of these things when it was very clear like those things are not okay why would you even go near it i mean they, they literally would believe would tell you that they believe that gay people were possessed by fucking demons <laughs> so (laughs) yeah it's like oh well i'm not that demon
1: thank you very much um and it became and and, you know people
0: will say oh i'm not i'm not homophobic because i'm not afraid of gay people they would like tell you that right well let me tell you as a as a seven-year-old being told that that gay people are possessed by demons, I was afraid of gay people. I was afraid of all of these things because how could you not be? Yeah, yeah. Like, what what, what other reaction could a child have to being, being told that? So that 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 really affected me for, I would say, until I was in my early 20s, and I actually started being around real life gay people in public and away from all of that, that was really what it took for, for me to like, begin to unpack
1: all of these things that I grew up with.
0: <clears throat> um, I mean, this group ha- would write songs about, about it. Um, I guess, I guess one thing I should mention is, yes, let me break down the structure of it. Because one of the things, if you were to look at the Wikipedia page, you would be like, oh, this is just a fringe fringe group that has some weird, wacky beliefs about God. And I think a lot of that has been sanitized over time, Mm
2: -hmm. because
0: this was, at, at least in the I would say in the 70s 80s and 90s for sure this was not um just merely some some weirdos who believe different things about the bible
2: Um, i mean i'm looking at the the sort of other practices section right and it's like a very small section but it talks about this practice of like mark and avoid which right um seems like extremely like classic like sort of like controlling like 100 behavior like sort of like that the the sort of practice of like um social shunning and like
0: well and even before that even before you have um like even before somebody gets to that level because as a kid that wasn't something that i knew about necessarily um Mm -hmm. i wasn't let in on that Because before you you even get to the point of like, oh, we're kicking these people out, do not talk to them, do not associate with them. You have this very clear demarcation between the people in the group are the ones to be trusted. The in-group, they're okay. They are believers, if you will. And everyone else, everyone outside of the group is an unbeliever. And like, it's just that, it was like that, big bright line right down the middle that's that and that was all you needed to know that was all that mattered
1: Mm -hmm. and so
0: as a child um i didn't make a lot of friends outside of the group and anybody who wasn't inside the group it felt like i felt very uncomfortable um if if i was like associating with them outside of whatever context I might primarily know them. So, like, I, I, I ha, you know, I would be friendly with people at school. For example, I was a gregarious child. Um,
2: Were you? Did you attend like a public school?
0: Yeah, I attended public school. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I attended a Montessori preschool, uh, like, which was
2: Like one of our other Audreys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this was just preschool.
0: Okay. Turns out that Montessori very expensive. Um, so fun fact about Montessori preschool. I uh kissed my first girl there, uh and we had to be separated, and it's one of those few memories I have from that era of like like her like she told her parents and they freaked out and uh okay. and so we couldn't be in the same like groups anymore, and so like they had to like physically separate us <laughs>
1: what
0: was her name. It was like Rosalind or something like that.
1: Interesting. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good right. times.
0: It, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting.
1: I would say, like, from a very young age, though. I don't know. When I think of the, like, the
0: signs that I had of, like, oh, maybe, maybe my socialization was slightly different than. Than a cis boys might have been, and it was one of was that like I really enjoyed
1: um, hanging around the other girls and 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 socializing with them. Um, and I didn't
0: really think anything of it, and nobody really ever policed that either. I will say that about my family. Um, the the gender stuff wasn't wasn't policed super hard in a very explicit manner a lot of what i internalized was just kind of from observation about like what is acceptable what isn't what is going to get you uh kind of sideways glances and what is not like when i was probably gosh i must have been like seven or eight maybe nine something around there We visited uh, extended family out in uh, Kansas, like Kansas City area, Missouri, that that section. It was my mom's cousins. And one of their kids um, was a little bit younger than me and enjoyed playing with dolls, like Barbie dolls. And I didn't really think anything of it, but I remember like it was my mom and my grandmother, my sister and me. We were driving away in the car and somehow it became like like they they were discussing it. And it sounded to me as if they had had a discussion with the kids parents while we were while I was not around and my grandmother and mother were talking about it. And I remember my mother being like, "Well, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it doesn't mean the kids gay or anything." And like I always think it's interesting as an adult now, I'm 41, um, all these decades later, I'm like, this is a thing I remember. I couldn't tell you many things about that trip that happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, but I remember like that particular conversation and overhearing that. And what I took away from it was, well, obviously being gay is bad, but I already knew that. And, Oh, doing engaging in behaviors that are outside of the expectations of my gender will get me negative attention, and some,
2: some people will think that will interpret this, yes. this way. Even if, yes. perhaps your parents aren't necessarily those people,
0: right? Right. Even if, even even if they're going to allow it, even if if they aren't going to judge me for it personally, it's going to put me in such a light that I'm going to be thought of in a way that I do not want to be, and that is clearly bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's things like, yeah, it's things like that, that just like constantly came up, you know? I mean, it was the 80s in the early 90s so there wasn't a whole lot of um radical radical gender thinking at the
1: time right?
2: (laughs) or at least not that was very visible (laughs) well
0: and at least and well yes there might have been oh totally Now, don't get me wrong outside of like the very conservative uh environment i was growing up in uh that might have been the case but certainly certainly not where i was
2: right yeah exactly it's i mean that stuff right is difficult for kids to find even even nowadays even you know if right. you have like, a permissive family um you start piling on all these you know sort of other things but um yeah
1: yeah and so so like
0: because because of um because of the way this group was set up, then the the main people I interacted with were children of other members, uh, my cousins, and maybe some neighborhood kids. But here's the other thing, um, we moved a lot. I, I was recently listening to a different episode and I don't remember which one it was, but somebody mentioned that their their life was marked by constant movement. Mine was two. I went to one school for kindergarten. I went to three different schools in the first grade, um, one of which was the school I went to kindergarten in, but not consecutively. (laughs) It was like, first grade, yeah. First grade grade started, I went to a brand new school. It had just been built. And then a month in, they were like, oops, oopsies. uh, We drew these lines wrong. We're gonna move you now. And then I went over to uh, to a, a decrepit old school, hated it. Then we moved six months in. I went back to the kindergarten school. Then in second and third grade, I went to a different school. Then in fourth and fifth grade, I went to a different school. And then in sixth grade, I went to a different school. <laughs> six schools in six Jesus. years. It's, uh, yeah. That's, it's, that's so much. <laughs> it is. It's a lot. And it's like, oh yeah, that, that. That makes it difficult to make like any kind of long-lasting friendships. I was also pegged uh, as a "quote unquote" gifted child, which um, I don't know if they still do this, may, uh, or if they, they did it they when did you were when I in school.
2: Was, they did when I was in school. It was the thing.
0: Yeah, it. Uh, that's another thing that I think is just really terrible and absurd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, but what that meant then was that for like second, third, fourth, and fifth grade, I was in this program across two different districts where the, these kids were, you know, we were all, we were from across the district and pulled into one classroom, essentially.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So most of my classmates didn't live near me. It wasn't like a neighborhood school situation right which was further like isolating in a way so it's like oh the friends you make at school they can't translate to like anything afterwards because there's no proximity
1: you you
0: know school's going to end you're going to get on a bus for 20 minutes
1: and be Mm -hmm. driven fairly far away um yeah And then on top of that, it's like, oh, by the way, um, you're in
0: this like very fringe religious group. And it takes up a decent amount of time, relatively speaking. So like I mentioned, like they met in people's homes. So they would have these, the the way that the group was laid out was that they envisioned their entire, I don't know, ministry, I guess, as like a tree. And so they referred to these little group meetings as uh, twigs. So you would go to these little twig meetings, and there would be, I don't know, maybe like a dozen people usually at the most. And you'd go to these meetings on like a Tuesday, a Thursday, and a Tuesday night, Thursday night, and like a Sunday uh, morning. And I don't know, they would be, they felt really long as a kid. (laughs) They were so damn, boring. <laughs>
2: that is, like, a lot of time. Yeah. To like, be doing something. Like, damn. It really was.
1: <laughs>
0: it, I mean, I gotta figure that they were at least an hour, hour and a half, at least. Maybe they were longer. I, I couldn't... I just remember, like, I would sit... Usually end up sitting on the ground, like, on the floor. Mm-hmm. Because when you have as many people as they did it's like well all the all of the couches and chairs were used by adults right Uh, that was the other thing about the group too was that there was this very much like subservience of children which i feel like is just common in christianity in general and in American culture especially yeah yeah. culture cultural culturally wide absolutely but um yeah, and I would just sit there for hours and just like try to, try to pay enough attention to not die of boredom.
1: <laughs> were
2: um, they ever like, I mean, was that like a sort of, did the adults sort of like put pressure on you to pay attention or were they just like, as long as you're here, it's good or?
0: Um, I think that really depended on the age. Like, Yeah the younger you were it was just like as long as you can sit
1: still and be quiet Mm -hmm. it was fine um but it it wasn't like
0: i don't know i didn't feel like i was being
1: drilled necessarily
0: at least in in those moments on you know what what did i learn or what did i take
1: away from something um but
0: there was definitely like they had, I don't know the equivalent of Sunday school. I want to say on, on Sundays where like they would take the kids out
1: and somebody would, you know, lead them through some sort of lesson. Mm-hmm. I, I don't recall. Um, yeah. Anything super intense on that level. I mean, I was, I
0: was a precocious child, so like it wasn't difficult for me to to follow and understand what was going on. Right. And and so that part was easy. It was just like, okay, I get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh,
0: you know, the world is bad.
1: The literal devil
0: is trying to harm us. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> classic. yeah mm-hmm. classic yeah it's like if you take every cliche about christianity uh they 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 had it <laughs> they had it in in abundance
1: um
0: what i found is, i mean like we can go into like one of the interesting things was just like you know another classic sign of uh of a cult is money
1: Mhm,
0: and they were like very, very much of the belief that you should be giving
1: more than ten percent of your income to the to the church, which
0: <laughs> as an adult, I'm just like that's an insane amount of money,
2: yeah, that is kind of crazy
0: <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> like, I did, like i didn't i didn't I don't think I fully understood. I was like, oh, yeah, you keep ninety percent, that's cool. and it's like, okay, but but ten percent, like, yeah. yeah. I can't I can't. I couldn't imagine. Could never. <laughs>
2: no, that is um, that is like a lot of money. Like <laughs> Yeah.
0: Imagine you like, make fifty thousand dollars a year after and you're gonna give away five per five or twenty five hundred dollars after taxes. That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so well then the thing was is that They like literally, it wasn't like this was done like, you know, in any kind of fancy, sophisticated way. It was literally like, here is a wicker horn. Here is a wicker basket. We're gonna pass this around at the meeting, put some money in here. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I think my parents would like give me a dollar to put in or something. Yeah. Yeah, just to like participate.
1: I don't know. Right.
2: Yeah. I was not uh, I was I was not raised particularly religious, but whenever my family would go to um we go to a Catholic church and mm. they would pass around the basket and yeah. my parents would always give me money to put in. And I never really understood what was what the deal with that was. But um I mean I understand now, right. Um Right, right.
0: Well I mean I understand as a child, the deal is conditioning, um, right? <laughs> but right. yeah. It's funny because, so because of growing up this way, I like have a very, very intense uh, interest in cults in general, like,
1: yeah.
0: and it's interesting to see different groups and see the ways in which they are similar or which these practices come up over and over again these the, the the kinds of threads that run through them. Um, right. And it's always like money power sex
1: over and over again. Money power sex. Every group it always comes back to that. Yeah. And usually it's
0: one dude at the top who wants one to three of those things, usually at least two out of three. Yeah um One and then so yeah so the the like intense amount of homophobia was the big thing the amount of time spent and then the other one was like
1: the the mm, what's the word i'm looking for like uh, i want to say not like they made it a core belief that,
0: like, like, like physical punishment of children, it was like a central belief
1: of their. Okay. Yeah. Of the group. Yeah.
0: And yeah. so I, yeah, which I think was
1: a, a particularly co- common at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like
0: seventies and eighties, I feel like
1: corporal punishment of
0: children was pretty common. I cu- I couldn't give you like numbers or anything to back this up, but
2: no, I mean like that makes sense. Like I, I would believe yeah. that. Like my my gut yeah. is that that's true. Like yeah, um, like it just yeah, based off of things that I know and yeah yeah.
0: It, but it was weird, it's weird to me now, looking back, just,
1: I mean.
2: How, like, sort mm-hmm. of, like, ideologically committed they are. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. exactly. Like, it wasn't just, like,
0: traditional practice that was just kind of like, oh, this is the thing we've been doing. But it was like, oh, no, this is the, they literally attached morality to it. If you are not doing this, then you are raising your children wrong. Yeah. No, I've I've heard, and I know that's not unique to the group. Like, I'm familiar enough with the broader evangelical Christian movement, uh, yeah, to see it happen in other places. But it was so fucked up. (laughs)
2: Like, no, it's like extremely, it's extremely weird. You like look at these; they're, they're like they love like citing Bible verses in support of this to be like, no, this is like a thing you are specifically instructed to do not just like right it's not an option yeah it's not like oh this is a tool no this is like
0: literally the only way the only correct way to raise children is to beat them yeah
1: yeah Yeah. Yeah. um and (laughs) i just cannot stress like how fucking Terrible that is, um and how misguided! Yeah,
2: it's it's really terrible. I mean, I, I expect we're kind of preaching to the choir here, but like, yeah, no, no, we, we don't <laughs> like, yeah, this is like one of those things where I'm
0: like, I don't know how much do we need to talk about this. Everybody agrees about this, but like,
2: yeah, it
0: it it shapes it. It's funny because at the you know when you grow up around it, you don't think, oh, I was abused.
1: Yeah, you
0: you, you you would never attach that label to it. Well, and especially here is the worst part about it. I think is that the is that it was said. I'm, do, you know, it was a very like classic. I'm doing this because I love you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that was the entire, not necessarily like in that moment that it said, but more of the. This is the way it was colored and presented at all times. Yeah, and it's like. Oh. Oh, so we're going to attach abuse
1: with love,
0: huh? That's uh, that's not going to lead to any problems, now, is it?
2: No, it's like an extremely like. Yeah, it it really affects people, and is like it really does. Um. Um. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, I've seen like yeah, it, it's bad.
0: <laughs> and then. And then you have that, and then in the background. So that's like literally the background that that you're growing up in. And then, by the way, here's some vitriolic homophobia on top of that. So, mm-hmm. hey, don't don't go in this direction because, like, here's a thing that could await you. Right. That's right. So. Yeah, so that I would say that was like heavily, heavily co- coloring my childhood throughout the uh,
1: throughout the nineteen eighties. Um, yeah. So then another thing the
0: group had um, was a yearly festival um, every summer, and the purpose was it was like oh get together for i want to say it was like a week but it might have been two weeks i don't exactly remember it might have just been a week but basically get together at their headquarters in rural ohio and we're going to like send off our oh what were we essentially essentially their missionaries though they didn't call them that but it was essentially what they were doing like groups of people that were sent around to various cities in the country maybe they sent some overseas i'm not sure uh to proselytize to literally like live together as a group you know in sioux falls north dakota or south dakota wherever that whichever one that is sioux falls south dakota Mm -hmm. and uh or you know des moines iowa and go around and you know proselytize to this group of you know,
1: citizens.
0: (laughs) Talk to everybody in the community, knock on doors, spread the good news. (laughs) Oh, And so they had a, you know, like it was kind of like a week long get together before they would send these people off uh, Mm -hmm. to do their, their shit.
1: Uh, And we went to that at least two or three times. And yeah, that was,
0: that was far less boring than anything else. I got to say, <laughs> oftentimes it involved like camping. Um, cause they had like a little campground. People would set up tents.
1: So that was cool.
0: And it was like, oh, you're in a new city. You're in a new place. There, you know, it was like a bunch of big tents, fair food situation. It was pretty big. They would get thousands of
1: people from across the country. Um, Yeah, that was also the, I wanna
0: say that that was the first place I ever heard a homophobic cover of a country song. Nice. Yeah, (laughs) there was, there was a, I think it's a Willie Nelson song, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up To Be Cowboys. Have you heard oh, this song? Oh
2: God! Yeah, I know that song. I'm trying to imagine the, the homophobic version of it. Is oh!
0: So, instead of cowboys, they replace it with the word homos.
2: That's so uncreative. I'm sorry. It really is. It's pretty <laughs> terrible. It's pretty terrible.
1: Um, that's
2: not the point, but that's really bad. That's just like, stop. Yeah.
0: Once again, once again, showing that hate is never funny yeah (laughs) like they're just really bad at it yeah theme that we would see
1: continue for 30 years
0: (laughs) oh yeah oh my god yeah you know classic shit like adam and eve
1: adam and steve
0: right which is just like oh yeah i mean it's really bad. it's almost comical because of how stupid and cliche it is yeah, yeah like i can't help but laugh at just the,
1: yeah. just the stupidity of it all yeah Ugh. oh my
0: goodness. yeah very very cringe even
1: even for homophobia um
0: yeah
1: so that was that was the
0: group for for a while there um I still think that, like, I, I, I want to kind of come back to, to the whole distrust that I, that it sowed with mm-hmm. everyone who wasn't a member. Because, like, even even members of my extended family who weren't in the group, like, one of my aunts was. And so her family was in the group, and we would spend a lot of time with them. Right. But everyone else, it was, like, I felt like I had to, like, keep them at, at an arm's length.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because they were, you know, they, they, oh, oh, it should be mentioned that like, this was one of those groups that like, believes you become born again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is interesting being raised in a group, because it's like the whole, that whole concept is based on the fact that like, you've somehow fallen, but it's like, but how can I be born again if I, have from the very beginning, you raised me because I don't understand.
1: (laughs) Oh.
2: That's a good point. <laughs>
0: I, 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 as literally, I kid you not, as like a seven or eight year old, I was, this was, this was literally crossing my mind. I was just like, I don't understand how can I be born again? I didn't fuck up.
2: <laughs> right. I, I've been here the entire time. Right. Right. Like
0: y'all, y'all quote unquote, you know, did a good job here. Like, come on.
2: Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. The I, I,
0: and yeah, my questioning of a lot of things really did be- begin as as an elementary school kid. Uh, one of the group's main practices—I don't know if it says it on here—is uh, uh, speaking in tongues. I don't even know. Yes, here is beliefs and doctrine. I don't know. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm like <laughs> this
1: is bullshit,
0: right? And it was like
1: every single meeting,
0: and it's like. So it's like, oh, it's your turn. And it's just like, oh, okay. Well, so clearly, what we're doing here is we're just making shit up, right? Oh, okay, cool. I can do that. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me?
1: Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I. You
0: know. I. It, it was so transparent to me as a kid. Like, no, th- that guy's just. We're all just saying gibberish here, and then <laughs> and then just like some like boilerplate bullshit about you know, in air as we, as we try to interpret whatever the fuck they just said.
1: No. <laughs> right. I just assumed like that, that we're all just kind of f- faking it.
0: And if we aren't, then fuck, I'm screwed. Cause that ain't, that ain't real for me. <laughs> but right? of course I, 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 I knew better. I knew better than to say any of this out loud.
2: <laughs> right. Well, kids are so like um Yeah, ki- kids are so sort of like perceptive and yeah, willing to just sort of <laughs> like say it. Yeah, like
0: right. Yeah, we'll go along with this. Sure, seems yeah. fun. Yeah. I get to participate? Okay, cool. Like as a kid, I I I did, you know, I I did want to participate in whatever was going on
2: you want to yeah you want to sort of yeah you want to feel included well and and also i think especially with like religion it's incredibly easy to take it so seriously when you're a kid Mm -hmm. um and i have to imagine that that played into the sort of like distrust of like non oh absolutely group members right non uh non non non-members of the cult right it's like so serious like
0: and then yeah i mean like
2: i remember taking you know I went to church like twice a year, but I would have like considered myself extremely. I would have like, I mean, I wasn't right in like a sort of like grand scheme, but I thought of myself as extremely religious because I was like, well, this is serious shit, you know. Like <laughs> this is your this is your one and only eternal soul we're talking about here. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, damn! I don't want to, you know. I don't. I don't want to go to hell. I want to. I want to. I want to go to heaven. You don't want to
0: burn in a lake of fire, do you?
2: Yeah. Oh,
0: that's a fun, fun tangent. There, they, you know, the group would would produce videos, and uh, God, if there's ever a thing that needed a fucking MST3K type of commentary, they produced this video called <clears throat> "Athletes of the Spirit," and it is like a. I don't even know. Probably like. 30 to 60 minute dance movement video uh, of men and women in spandex, um, including the leader at the time, uh, the founder had died in the mid eighties of eye cancer. Fun fact, they covered that up. Um,
2: They covered it up? Like they covered up his eye cancer that it was eye cancer because
0: they had, they had been teaching for so long that like cancer was, oh, what's the, I don't even remember what the exact thing they called it, but the cancer was like, it was like a failing to get cancer essentially. <laughs> Like if you got cancer, it was like, oh, it, it was because you this. weren't believing strong enough or something. I don't remember. Yeah,
2: look, look at this. Look at this fucking apostate. With their right. Cancer. Look at look this,
0: this guy, this guy, this guy has cancer and he's supposed to be the leader. No, nah, no, no, no. Like it would have, it would have been a disaster. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> oh my they, God. they, they, you know, it was like, Oh, he's, he's left. Whatever. Yeah. I can't, I don't, I, I want to say he died in 1984 I was too So that part I don't remember And some of these things it's like Years later Thanks to the power of the internet I discovered What exactly had happened Right um, But yeah So yeah new. they had a new guy And this guy was really Really into um, Like Being an athlete I guess he had been Like a college Football player or something you know, at some low level. And so they had this this video and it's like I don't even it's very eighties, you know, there's headbands involved. uh, and when I say spandex it's like full on like Unitard level, um, with different prints. And it's kind of act acting out like revelations type of thing here. But um you know, set to music and whatever, with uh, this kind of very minimalist stage. It's 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 I I, I can actively and vividly remember it. And then at the end, you know, there's this kind of like lake of fire sequence of all the badness getting destroyed and whatnot. Uh, that. That's, that's the background though of what's going on. And, oh, by the way, t- speaking of distrust of, of people outside the group, keep in mind, it's the 1980s. So there's also just this entire like stranger danger, uh, kidnapping of children, uh, moral porn going on at the same time. So not only do I have this message at, at home and, in, and religiously of don't trust people you don't know, don't trust people outside the group, that's also what I get at school. Yeah, and that's also like, just the the broader, sort of vibe. Yeah, this broader culture of like yeah. Oh, don't don't take don't I mean obviously like don't take rides from strangers, but still like every stranger is dangerous. Everyone you don't know is a predator basically. That's
1: Right. And it's it was incredible that that was incredibly isolating. Mhm. Yeah, I can and,
0: imagine. Yeah, so it's like, oh, this is the only group of people you should trust. But those yeah. group of people you should trust entirely. And you can see instantly why that's a terrible idea.
2: Right. <laughs> like, it Well, and make... like, I mean, this is also, right, I was going to sort of mention this at some point. Like, the 80s were not exactly, like, a, a good time for, uh, like, homosexual acceptance. No, like right. So it's, I, I mean, it sounds like a lot of the sort of things you're calling out about the cult are not, um, are exceptional to the cult only in so far as like the degree, right? Exactly. Like it's like um, the rest of American culture on like steroids. Like
0: it really was. It was. It was. It was the culture of the 1980s turned to 11, yeah. in so many ways in so, so, so many ways. I mean, they, you know, we talk about like, um, what do they call it now, prosperity doctrine? or
2: Yeah, prosperity gospel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, prosperity gospel, yeah. And like, they absolutely had
0: kind of those similar beliefs of, you know, we talk about giving over 10% of your money to the church. Oh, well, this is gonna return to you however many fold. Like, absolutely. And if you're not, if you're not growing in abundance, then what, what's wrong with you? Like that's your, you're, you're clearly, you're the, it's your fault for not having strong enough beliefs.
2: God wants you to um, be financially successful. Exactly.
1: No, 100%. (laughs) They
0: literally called it like the The group's introductory course was called "Power for Abundant Living."
2: Yeah, I saw that on the on the Wikipedia mm-hmm. and thought that was just so funny because it's so generic. It's like, what does that even mean? Like, I if I went in there and I I saw you know like mention of like right like Christianity, I'd be like, oh, this is way less weird than I expected because that's the sort of like vague shit that's just like. Hmm. I don't know. People, people love that shit. <laughs>
0: well, and especially in, in, you know, when the gr- when the group started, when that gr- when that class started in, in the seventies, that was very much like that kind of new age human potential,
1: right? Um, very,
0: yeah. And so that was that was the kind of gateway that they got you with. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm, And you know a lot of people will tell you that cults engage in love bombing for example yeah and every every new member feels very welcome well if you're going to a class like this like of course it's gonna feel welcoming like you're feeling you know it's uh it's all about having this power this kind of secret to life being revealed to you and hey if you just do these things you're gonna get to lead the kind of life you want. Right. And then all of the negative shit, well, that's on the back end. That's later on.
2: Yeah. You, you find you know. out about that later.
0: Right. Right. You know, they're going to, they they front load all of the good things, all of the possibilities up front
1: to,
0: to get you in. Mm-hmm. It's, it's classic marketing. It's very simple. Yeah. But, you know, in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s most people didn't know about all of these principles and how all of this worked
1: right it's so easy it,
0: to
2: not see the patterns
0: right well and i think the internet really made a huge difference um just the and uh, I mean maybe, maybe this is just because i'm like i don't want to say i'm a child of the internet but like we got the internet at my house when i was like 13 i want to say. Um, 13. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was 13. So like, throughout my entire high school, and most of my middle school, we had access to all of this information. And nowadays, I just feel like it's relatively easy to look up any group that comes to your door, and find out more about them, and find all of their dirty secrets immediately. Like, how are the Jehovah's Witnesses doing right now? (laughs) Are are they having a lot of success? I can't imagine. Because question. somebody comes to your door with the watchtower newsletter and you're like, What's this? And you 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 hit Google on it and you're like, Oh, okay, yeah, these are the people that don't believe I should have blood transfusions. Okay, cool. I'm not gonna not gonna fuck yeah. with that. <laughs> like and it's really, you know, speaking of Jehovah's Witnesses as a kid, I was aware of all of these other groups. Jehovah's Witnesses, um, Mormons, mm-hmm. um all of the other groups like that were kind of christian you know like they we considered ourselves christian but uh
2: outside
1: you were the true christians well yes
0: yes and but outside of like the mainstream you know it's like i knew about the fringe groups i knew about the catholic church and then everything else was just kind of lumped together as like protestant i don't even think i i don't even think i knew the word protestant until i was in middle school to be honest that just wasn't a word that was used but it was like it was like these groups this big lump here and uh and then these other fringe groups where it was like oh no no they're bad in these other ways you know yeah like like oh there may be they may be close in some ways, but they've missed this key thing or that key thing. I don't know.
2: Right. Well, so what's the sort of like, how how do you sort of eventually end up leaving this? And I know, I think I recall oh. you mentioned that like you were Catholic for a while. So what's the Yeah, kind of... <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Yeah, which is personally like as a, you wanna talk about like noticing things as a child. That was one where I was like, wait, what what are we doing? So when I was uh, 10 years old, um, I I vividly remember this. It was, uh, I I, I can tell you the day that it was. That's how vividly I remember it. Uh, But it was a Sunday night, we sat down to eat dinner and my parents looked at me and my sister and said uh oh, we're getting a divorce oh yeah
2: and, and was, i was like was that a was that a cool thing with the the way or was that a um i at the time
0: did not really know one way or the other that part like like in the immediate moment i was like oh this sucks yeah like, i mean god like yeah. that was like r- super devastating to me <clears throat> um, like I just remember like immediately crying and running back to my room mm-hmm. uh, and, and then I come to find out like later on uh, no it was not okay with the way they were not cool with it at all they you know my mother my mother was the one initiating it uh, and they heavily pressured her to reconcile the marriage. Um from what I understand, like they're they're very anti divorce which is interesting, I guess. I don't know. I, I it's not always interesting to me. To think, yeah. I mean it's not surprising in some senses, but it's like it's always interesting to me the things that a various group will decide are priorities. Versus other things, and
1: yeah.
0: then, like years later, I would find out about the amount of sexual impropriety amongst
1: the leadership
0: and infidelity and coercion and abuse, and it's like, really, this was the thing divorce was the thing that like was a priority for you, and all this shit was going on really wild
2: well it's if right uh probably among those leaders, right, divorce is a threat if you are, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a way that, it's, it, yeah.
0: It's always control. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, now I get it. But at the time, I was just like.
2: Right, at huh. the time, it's like, what the fuck? My world is falling apart. These, you know, yeah. Two,
0: these two people right.
2: that, you know, structure my life are. exactly. Exactly. and
0: so my dad ended up moving we at the time we lived in an apartment complex he ended up moving into a unit uh down down the way like just you know two or three buildings over okay so for a while it was kind of stable you know just like oh well we're gonna sleep in this apartment this night and you know these other nights we're gonna sleep in this apartment and fine no big deal
1: um But because
0: they weren't cool with it and they did give my mother shit, she ended up leaving the group. Mm -hmm. My dad stayed for a little bit longer. Um, We ended up going out one year with him. Like we did a road trip out to Ohio for
1: that previously mentioned uh,
0: festival. And and then he fell on really hard times. He actually was um,
1: homeless for a bit. And so
0: when we would see him, he would have saved up enough money to, to rent a motel room for me and my sister to stay with him. Um, and then eventually he moved back to Tennessee to live with his parents.
1: They lived in Knoxville, Tennessee.
0: So we didn't see him for a couple of years because of that
1: and in the meantime uh my mother went out and dated
0: and ended up meeting a man who she would eventually marry and so she got remarried when i was
1: mm,
0: i was in seventh grade yeah my parents divorced or at least initiated their divorce when I was in fifth grade about halfway through and about two years later, she remarried. Okay. It was not a very long engagement or anything. And about a month or so
1: before the wedding, we moved into his house
0: and he was a very like chill dude. They're still married, you know, decades later. Okay. Yeah. Worked out well for them. They're they're good together. Um and so at this point she had already left the group thoroughly. And he was um uh he was raised Catholic but was not active. And so together like he went to like a returning Catholics course or meeting
1: group thing
0: and my mother decided to convert as an adult. Uh, Yeah. And so that process, I don't know how familiar you are, if you ever saw this, if you went enough, that process usually begins, I guess, in uh, Advent, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: holiday time. And then you get baptized on Easter. So obviously, obviously, when they got married, that stuff had already started. So it was another year and she was like hey i'm going to do this do you, she offered you know to me and my sister hey do you want to do it with us well not with us with her and i just remember like thinking like really we're joining the
1: catholic church <laughs>
0: like but they believe like in my head i'm just thinking like they believe so many things that are
2: antithetical
0: to like everything we were raised with religiously right Like, like the entire purpose of the cult had been like all of the things specifically that the Catholic Church are doing are wrong. Hmm. All of these beliefs, like they're the ones who fucked it up, was basically their view. Okay, You know, centuries, centuries of like mishandling of theology by the Catholic Church uh, had led you know, Christianity astray. And so it, it, it felt very odd to me that, that, that we were doing this. And I was like, but I was like, oh, you know, sure, why not?
2: You're a kid, you go <laughs> along with things.
0: <laughs> kind of, yeah, I was like, anyway, I mean, I think I, if I had said no, it would have been fine, more
2: or less. Okay. Like, I think I
0: did have a legitimate choice, but I also thought that that road would be more difficult. You know, like, like, well, this is definitely get, It's definitely going to be easier for me if I just say yes.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So, so, yeah. And I was, I've always been a very, um, kind of go along to get along type of person, mm-hmm. probably for, you know, years of conditioning to avoid conflict, <laughs> Right. uh, so I was like, yeah, sure, let's do this. So, yeah, when I was in eighth grade, then, you know, every Sunday, or no, I, I don't even remember exactly when. Yeah, it was every Sunday we had these little like meetings for, for, con, you know,
1: learning Learners. about, Practice. yeah, converting,
0: learning about Catholicism. Like, you don't get to eat Jesus today. Instead, you have to go learn about Jesus and then you can consume his body and flesh
1: right
0: oh <laughs> which again now i'm in middle school junior high and i'm like wait you guys literally believe that this cracker becomes the
1: fucking flesh of a human this is fucked up <laughs>
0: like this is so weird
1: sure
0: there were some things that i liked yeah I don't know. Did you ever go to youth group as a kid?
2: Um, no. I was right. So like my family, like I said, like we went to church like twice a year. Oh, um, okay. So with I'm like my extended family. You. So I was not I yeah. was raised. I actually I wasn't even baptized. Um Oh shit. My dad is Catholic. My dad is like nominally Catholic, but I think um we were at a a family gathering once and someone sort of ribbingly asked him when the last time he went to confession was and I think he said something like 1976 or something like that (laughs) um and um true catholic yeah then my um my mother is like i think would probably call herself christian although i think just in the sense that she like doesn't think about religion that hard and just kind of goes along i don't know i mean she might be more like she might be more sort of agnostic she wasn't really raised with much of anything either way so I think that she's sort of just like yeah um, Christian
0: in the sense that it's the dominant religion and culture in America
2: yeah and yeah and I, I'm sure that there was yeah you know yeah there's there's been a variety of kind of I think yeah basically but so um,
0: she marinated in
2: Christianity I get it <laughs> yeah So I'm not I I was not I never went to youth group I was like aware of it I think I like vaguely was like oh I wish I went to something like that just because I wanted to you know be around other kids or something but um not enough to ever like voice anything um or uh anything like that I know um oh what's the what's the thing I'm thinking about um my little brother went to, like, a youth group for a little bit when he was in high school, although I, I, th- I think it was just, like, oh, they do cool activities. Um, I guess that this whole religion stuff is interesting, too, but um, it doesn't seem to have made a big impact on him. I don't think he would. I think he would just kind of, if you asked him, like, he would probably say something similar to my mom, which is, like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm Christian, but if you, like, press him on, like, Mm-hmm. doctrine or anything he's just gonna be like i don't know you know the ten commandments golden rule <laughs> right right <laughs> you know whatever whatever
0: 316 yeah
2: right. yeah i don't that's, even that's, think you could do that i think that's i think that's, oh, I yeah. think that's asking much of <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to i i mean i i love my i love my family um <laughs> i don't say any of this uh to, to bat mouth i think it's just it's, i would not i i took it, it as lovingly yeah 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 yeah
0: i definitely but, don't think that most people would well most people listening to this podcast at least wouldn't say that it's some sort of failing to to not be able to you
1: know
0: yeah, some it's, it
2: is it is not a failing of any of them i think it is just sort of like where they yeah. are at
1: um but yes <laughs> uh so yeah started going to youth group and
0: i do want to connect it back to one thing is um Towards the tail end of like the time in the cult was uh,
1: Waco happened. Oh, yeah, 1993. uh, It would have been right after.
0: Yeah, I want to say, I want to say that it would have been. right after my parents had told me they were getting divorced. Like that would have been just a few months later. So we would still have been very much in it while this was going on. And that was incredibly uncomfortable to witness because like, at the time, I don't know that I considered my
1: group, the group I was in a cult, but
0: I definitely knew that, like, other people
1: might consider them a cult.
0: Mm-hmm. And to watch that happen and like the way in which
1: that group was, like completely othered and eventually killed.
0: I mean we we don't need to get into like a debate about what actually happened there.
2: <laughs> right. Or I mean like the fact that like the fact that they all
0: died in a
2: fire. The fact that like, like everybody death, but... died, right? Who, you know oh, there. The the sort of the purpose of the siege. I mean well it was about was it about it was about firearms or something. Right? Yeah. ostensibly, yes. But there were also, right, obviously like concerns about like the well-being of the, you know, women and children and, um.
0: The the vast majority of children that were there. Yeah. And not, it's important to note here, not everyone died because some people during the siege, there were people that left during the siege. Yes. Um, but yeah, everyone that was still there at the end died in a fiery building collapse. Like, (laughs)
1: like
0: an unmitigated disaster, um, Which I've found fascinating as an adult to, like, look back on. Um, Spoiler alert, there are no heroes in this story. (laughs) Yeah. On either side. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's just bad people all the way through. The government, the group, like, just bad people. Yeah, extremely. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's going on. And, like, this is kind of
1: you know, early, like, tween years. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, like, that I, That had a big effect, I think, of just, I mean, one thing, it felt like, oh, this is not a thing I ever want to talk about. And yet here I am talking about it on a podcast. But,
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, to discuss. Like, Sorry, what was that it felt in a way dangerous to discuss.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like did the did the adults in your life did they like make comments about it that like sort of like I guess um I don't
1: remember like none st- I'm sure they did.
0: I'm sure my mom ha- had something to say. She's very um outspoken. Is a it's a very charitable way of putting it opinionated so
2: In, like the I'm sense sure... that like they would have expressed like uh a we- weird weird word to use here but like solidarity with like the, the the people at waco or
0: i yeah i i would say that like to a certain extent they she did like i think there was kind of also almost a feeling of like but by the grace of God, there go I, like,
2: yeah, I guess that's sort of like what I mean by solidarity, like, yeah, that's that's us And you know, another yeah, another there's like
1: that's
0: an, like like there's, there's a connection there for sure, um And so, like that was kind of troubling
1: to to see yeah
2: that um, sounds really upsetting, I can imagine
0: it was. You know, I will say this too, for all of the bad experiences I had in that group. I to this day feel very, very thankful that, as involved as we were, we we could have been more involved because you know, we were having these little house meetings, right? Meanwhile, there was like a whole second level of groups or second level in the group uh, called the way core and these were people that like lived at the headquarters and really had their lives thoroughly controlled um, by the group and by the leadership. And I, about a month ago, I asked my mom, I expressed this to my mom that like, I was very thankful that we never were. And she's like, yeah, missed it by this much. <laughs> like, like there was a time, I guess, when they were considering joining. Oh my goodness. You know, the, yeah. And it's like, oh fuck, it could have been so much worse. Yeah. Because eventually the leader was
1: accused of, um, of like basically kind of sexually
0: coercing a number of women to sleep with him. And, and engaging in all sorts of abuse of power situations with the, you know that group of people. Right. And it would have been so much harder to leave too. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they controlled everything. They controlled, you know, you essentially, I think at that point you essentially worked for them and lived
1: on site. Right, and there would have been very little means to leave at all.
0: Um, so yeah, I, I really <laughs> I really am thankful every day because yeah. oh, as goodness. bad as bad as like the indoctrination and all of the like queerphobic, transphobic, homophobic bullshit I internalized, I can imagine it would have been much much worse if we had. Especially if we had still been in there um, throughout the rest of the 1990s, that God, would have right? been,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. It only got, it only got worse. It, it would have gotten worse, and it, from what I understand, it definitely did. Like the leader would go on rants about how he thought that Hillary Clinton was some sort of closet lesbian, and on and on and on, like absurd. Just the absurdity. Of the conspiracy theories and stuff, like they 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 definitely were falling down that terrible rabbit hole of paranoia.
2: Yeah, Uh, that sort of thing that's infected most sort of evangelical American. Right. Oh yeah. Hundred
0: percent.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah. So. But yeah. So when I was in.
0: So I'm in eighth grade then, and I'm and, um, converting to Catholicism and going to youth group. And like, this was cool because, for me at least, because it was like, oh,
1: people my age who I go to school with and know. And like, it
0: was like the first time where it was like religion and socializing did not feel like they were at odds with each other. And religious
1: beliefs. Uh oh. Oh. Hold on. My uh my earphone died. Okay. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me just charge these for a minute and uh we'll keep going. Good. Okay. Um, yeah, that was the first time that I felt like,
0: oh, these things are not at odds with each other. They're very cool
1: and acceptable. Um, and hey, religion can be fun. <laughs> okay, Interesting. Yeah.
0: And so whatever, we go through all of that process of, of converting and it was just like, okay, this is very basic shit. Like, as somebody who grew up having, like, being constantly exposed to, like, biblical teachings three days a week for, you know, 11 years, like,
1: there wasn't a whole lot of new shit. Yeah. Um, It Like, in some ways, becoming Catholic felt like a much lower commitment to
0: what I had been raised in. I was like, oh, we only have to go to church once a week? Well, that's nice. nice. Oh, the services are, like, sometimes only an hour long? Even better.
1: And there's coffee and donuts afterwards? Love this yeah um And then we did a lot of like mission work, not
0: in like the traditional like not in like the Mormon sense, but more in the like practical sense mm-hmm. like in in Seattle, there is a, a there's a large homeless population. I want to say that King County has over ten thousand homeless people um, at any given time. It probably was slightly lower, somewhat lower uh, thirty years ago, but it was still pretty high, and so there was a group called or a program called Operation Sack Lunch, which is what it sounds like, making just hundreds of of lunches and lunch meals for um, homeless people in the city and just handing them out. And so that was a thing that the group, the youth group specifically, would be involved in helping. And then every year they would take a, a trip to, to uh, Tijuana and build houses. Well, build usually one
1: house is about all it could. Uh, all it could sustain.
0: But it was like a, you know, it was a concrete house, and
1: they would usually
0: manage to build about one full house in a, about a week and a half. Um, and being involved in those things, it, that felt like really good. Uh-huh. And Catholicism to me didn't start to feel troubling really until I was an adult. Um I mean first of course there was the like the scandal with uh the priests in the early 2000s. That was Gosh, what was that? I think that was in 2002.
2: I feel like my entire life Catholic priests have been like um the butt of jokes as a result of like that. So I would have been five years old in 2002. So that's not yeah. right. But...
0: Yeah. I just watched Spotlight, which is the movie, the Michael yeah. Keaton movie about that. Yeah. So I want to say it was 2002 um, that like that big report broke. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, there was always kind of
1: a like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to,
0: like, I don't want to misremember it. I'm trying to remember if, if there was kind of this undercurrent of, like,
1: oh, sometimes priests are a little bit, a little bit uh not okay. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, one thing
0: that's worth noting is that the Catholic church that I went to and, like, became a part of was in Seattle. Like, as a kid, those were the churches I went to were only in Seattle, Washington. And as an adult, I would learn later on that, like, the Catholic Church in Seattle, Washington is very different than the Catholic Church in, say, Wichita, Kansas, or uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Like, it was one of the more quote-unquote liberal
1: areas for Catholicism in the United States. Mm -hmm. And, And so, like, I wasn't exposed to some of the, like,
0: worst teachings that they had. Like, the most authoritarian stuff
1: the most anti-abortion stuff. Um, The most, like, um,
2: I mean, did the homophobia drop off at all, or was that still a big
0: thing? No, I don't, you know, the homophobia, I didn't, the homophobia wasn't, wasn't super prevalent on, like, a local level at all, to be honest.
1: Like, The I mean, keep in mind, too, in the '90s,
0: I felt like like the Defense of Marriage Act was passed in the mid-'90s, and so gay marriage did not feel like a, a, salient, a salient issue at that time. Um, it wasn't really another 10 years until advocacy had ramped
1: back up as like, a thing. Right um, I mean, and here's the truth of the matter. any
0: any amount of homophobia could never compare to where I had been coming from. so sense. like, yeah, so like it automatically, like just by virtue of like having a loudspeaker of homophobia removed from my ear uh felt like a drop off, but. At that point though, a lot of that had already been so heavily internalized for me that it uh it didn't matter. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like yeah. I remember I remember as a kid um we went to like a a drive-up um, restaurant. Have you ever been to one of these? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do these still exist? Like, I don't like
2: know. Like Sonic?
0: Kind of, yes. Yes, similar to Sonic. Yeah. Yeah. Except with Sonic, you order through, like, a loudspeaker. Mm-hmm. Um, this this place had, like, you pull up to a stall and there was, a, you know, a little menu in front of where you were and then someone would come out to take your order. Okay. And, th- and then they would bring you your food. And I remember, like, you know, I wasn't, I was in middle school or high school, and this this guy comes up, takes the order, and walks away. And my mom was just like totally creeped out that he had the gall to be a gay man <laughs> and exist,
1: and like verbally expressed how how uh, how uncomfortable his presence had made her.
0: (laughs) I think I think she said she could literally feel the devil
1: spirits coming off of him. And I
0: remember at this point in my life being very uncomfortable with her making that statement. Like this was like at by this time it was like I felt almost like this kind of um, internal conflict between everything I had been told as a child
1: and, and like, trying to reconcile that with how I felt,
0: but also, like, what I felt was actually okay to believe, if that makes sense.
2: How did you feel?
0: Well, I don't know, because as a kid, I didn't feel like I was gay.
2: Mm-hmm. But other uh, you people seem to have picked up on something, right? You mentioned yes, from your mom earlier. And...
0: Yeah, well, and so here's the thing, because as a teenager, everybody else thought I was gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had that classic experience of,
1: right.
2: oh, you
0: just, you're just you just in the closet. Oh, you, you just, just haven't
2: realized it yet. You just yeah.
0: haven't realized it yet. You'll figure it out lots and lots and lots of that. And I think it was just because I had always had this very very um, almost like feminine energy or something that I gave off right. And so people I mean, especially at that time, nobody thought, oh, you're you're probably trans. It was like, oh you're probably gay. Like, that's just where people went. That was the natural inclination. And so, but but I'm sitting here like, well, I'm in my own head, and I know that I don't find boys attractive, so that doesn't make sense. Um, But I knew that, like, there was something off about the way that my family and parents acted towards gay people and like what i felt was right i'm like so you know hear, hearing like th- such um, just visceral
1: and strident homophobia expressed like that was was something that made me really uncomfortable uh <sighs> sorry no you're fine yeah i had to I, I got the the
0: headphones back so hopefully i don't know if i don't know if you, the audio sounds any different on your end It
2: sounded a little bit different but that's okay
0: okay this is much more comfortable i can hear you so much better
1: okay uh yeah so so like yeah as a teenager
0: it was like this kind of discomfort that i have around the way i was raised around all these beliefs i had but not really knowing like how to deal with it at all Mm -hmm. and not really
1: having any tools to access either like it wasn't like i had you know
0: been accepted into a new religion that was tolerant of gay people that celebrated um, queer lives queer i don't want to say queer lifestyles but queer people right or 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 anything like that like like queerness was even if it wasn't like actively preached against it wasn't it still wasn't tolerated yeah it was it was more like don't ask don't tell situation of like we're just not going to talk about this and
1: you know keep it to yourself um, right. yeah It and so then i uh i went to college for about 15 minutes and nice
0: <laughs> yeah I, you, speaking of bullets, dull, bullets that were dodged, I, uh, I actually had an ROTC scholarship to go to college. Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah.
2: Did Airfo- you do ROTC Airfo- F- in high school? No,
0: no, that wasn't it. Was, it wasn't at my high school, but uh, it felt like it was a thing I applied for because it felt like a a good way to pay for college and my oh i should probably could also mention that my mother was uh in the army reserves when i was a
1: kid yeah um it's funny because yeah you had asked earlier about like views on gender it's not
0: like i grew up with like very strict gender roles in that sense you know Mm -hmm. like yeah my mother went and joined the army reserves and went to boot camp in South Carolina for three months when I was probably about six years old.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Like, and that was totally fine and, and not weird at all. Um, and then my, my stepdad, he had been in the Navy. And so like my parents were like very much encouraged this. They were like, oh, this is a great idea. Wonderful. Yada, 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 do this. I got a four year scholarship and uh, promptly, promptly failed to pass the physical fitness test during my first quarter of college and subsequently had my scholarship withdrawn and I dropped
1: out. Okay. And then 9-11 happened. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah,
0: about, uh, I started college in September of 2000. So a year later, 9-11 happens and uh, at this point, my family had actually moved to Wichita, Kansas. Uh, yeah, my stepdad worked for Boeing. They had stuff out there. And so I was actually living in Seattle by myself. 9 11 happens, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll enlist in the Air Force this time. And then I had, uh, I had some hearing loss. And That really kind of undercut a lot of the opportunities available. And so I didn't, I decided not to take it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that I did.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like like you said, talk about bullets dodged. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yes, both literal and metaphorical. Um,
2: Hey, there you
0: go. Yeah. They, I know, I know that like a lot of trans women like kind of had their had military i don't even know i don't even know i you should get one of them on to talk about it sometime uh, yeah. i think you did <laughs> oh I yeah know it's a th- <laughs> i know it's a thing though um yeah i'm just i'm just glad that it was not the one that i went through
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah no god i, I can imagine um yeah It it would have uh, it would have been a nightmare. So yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I ended up moving to North Carolina, made some friends, and and like this was like probably like the first opportunity that I would have had to like really s- start to unpack every everything that I had grown up with as a kid. Like, completely removed from, like, the environment that I grew up in, the area I had been in. Like, everything was brand new. New people knew everything.
1: Mm-hmm. And started working in a restaurant um, and being around actual queer people for the first time. And interacting with them and making friendships. And it was like, oh... Yeah, see, not so scary. <laughs> and that was like really, really huge for me. Like that was a big step, I felt like. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that was, you just were sort of, you know, I was, my my girlfriend was telling me the other day, she was doing research for a paper, she was writing for some class or something. And I think it was something like 40% of all, um, LGBTq people work in food um, I believe it, <laughs> which sounds like a crazy number to me, but I'm like, you know, I, I don't know, like in a, in a sense, it makes a lot of I don't know. it makes a lot of sense. you do you you still work in food, right? Or am I misremembering? no,
1: no
0: i I worked in food up until the start of the pandemic, okay. um, yeah. so I got my first restaurant job at. Uh, i was 20 and i and that, so that would have been 2002 so from then until uh, the beginning of 2020 so about about 17 and a half years i worked in food with a couple of breaks for a couple of different non non restaurant ventures but yeah a very very long time uh, working in
1: restaurants and hospitality
0: right and
1: yeah so that made a big difference and like the i guess we've glossed over like so many
0: things (laughs) like focusing just mostly on the religious stuff it was like oh also i was cross-dressing at this point
2: (laughs) oh like um sexually or
0: yeah like from like that started when I was like 14.
2: Okay. Was that just like yeah. masturbatory or?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Funny because like, was... the interesting thing to me is
0: that, you know, when I think about like different identities that I have, like one is that like, is like, I've always, been comfortable with like uh, kink as a part of my own sexuality.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I actually figured that out at a very young age, even though I didn't have the words for it. But it was right. like instantly, like, oh, that's a thing I like. And I remember that felt comfortable to me in the sense that I think I was able to quickly recognize that even though this wasn't a thing that adults talked about um, very much, and it was a thing that was more common than they let on to the point that I was like, oh, well, this is okay because this is actually really widespread and really common. And it's just a private thing that everybody has and while you know specifics vary from person to person it's like oh yeah yeah everybody everybody has their own kinks and fetishes and things that they like and i can just have mine and uh, we don't have to talk about it and it felt very safe in that way like and so i think when i look back on it now i'm like oh well i was able to take all of my gender feelings wrap it up in this and keep it in a box that I could access whenever I wanted to, and then and then when I was done, I could just put it away, and I didn't have to deal with it.
2: Did like adults in your life ever catch you? Or, oh like... yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: oh yeah.
2: Yeah. More than once. Okay. Was it like commented upon as like a? I don't know. Was that like read as a as a gay thing or?
0: I don't even know. Right? I do I, I,
2: I almost feel like it was. It isn't like, or it wasn't at the time. I don't know. It's so weird to sort of try to like.
1: Oh, I've lost you. You there? It has changed
2: over it's... time.
0: I I'm I'm I missed like the last ten seconds of what you said. okay. Oh, like... I-
2: Way that like cross dressing as like a fetish gets like read, um, has changed a lot over time. That, yes, like, you know it, it's very right. I don't know. I, you ever like go back and like read like um they're all on archive. Uh, the like uh, female mimics international or like any of those. No. Like, oh, you should. It's really and in- but it's really interesting to like read what to like read these things, and it's like. It is like a really sort of like wide cross-section of like people who are pretty much just trans women. People who like, yeah. this is just like a sort of like sex thing for them. Right. Um, and But some of my favorite stuff that I'll like find in it are like letters or like things from like people who are like partners of these people. Um, right. Because it's just so interesting to sort of like hear about like the way that they think about their own sexuality. Um, and how it relates to like um, their partner, and I don't know. It, it, it's it's very cool. If I if I had known that this was going to come up, I would have like grabbed an example or two to to talk about. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's
0: that's wild. I'm not familiar with that, but I
2: definitely i'll i'll, I'll link you uh, here. I'll okay, ahead, actually, um, but yeah, definitely. Um, I can also like. Uh, I'll put I'll put like a link in the show description. Um, I don't know if they have like a a collection or if it's easiest to just like search Female Mimics International. Um. Oh wait, wrong thing. Not the Wayback Machine. The archive.
1: <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, you are right though
0: that that, that the perception of of what that of what cross dressing like. I don't know means, or or how it's interpreted has definitely changed over time. Um, I mean, my view, like growing up, of what a trans woman was
1: was kind of that, like, oh, how how would how would they put it? You know,
0: I didn't know who Blanchard was, but uh, I feel like his his view of like what HSTS is was kind of, you know, the, the the guy who's so gay that he has to, um, become a woman
1: to sleep with men. Like it just like an extremely gay man. And I didn't identify with that at all. Of course. Right. Like,
0: I was just like, oh no, it's just like, oh no, no, no. Women are just hot. And like, wouldn't it be so hot to be one? (laughs) Also over time, I think I developed that uh, internal sense that, well, everybody wants to be a woman, right? Like we just don't talk about it. But of course that's the preference that we all have. Right. (laughs) <laughs> which you know when you say it out loud you're like what no men don't want to be women what the fuck yeah <laughs> I feel like at times there have been um media portrayals like in that kind of like freaky friday body switching sense where you know when a when it, whenever it was a a man put into a woman's body they were like oh this is cool
2: yeah, at least, um, at least the, initially. The first like live action Scooby Doo movie is a uh, a classic example of this.
0: <laughs> I don't think I've um, seen that one. I feel uh, like yeah. there was. Fred there becomes was a... there's
2: their body switching is a big part of the plot of that, and um, yeah, Fred gets put into um, Daphne's body at one point, and uh, or no, it's, it's Shaggy, it's Shaggy. Um, yeah.
0: Wait, is that the version with uh, Matthew Lillard? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay.
2: Yes. I mean, yeah. So it's, it's, imagine Matthew Lillard's voice coming out of... Um, fuck, I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember who uh, played Daphne in that, but um, the body of someone that looks like Daphne. Uh, I know who it is.
0: It's Sarah Michelle Gellar.
2: Oh, that's right. Damn.
0: I haven't even seen this movie, and I'm just like, no, I can distinctly remember, and it's uh, what's his name, Freddie Prince Jr. as Fred. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure. Yeah, yeah I I yeah. I remember weird things, even from movies I didn't see. Oh <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, okay, fair enough. But um, yeah. yeah, I guess anyhow, yeah, this is like a sort of thing. Um, yeah. A salient thing.
0: Yeah, it's just like, oh, every guy looks down and is like, oh, boobs, cool. Yeah. (laughs) And so like, yeah, so I kind of had internalized, internalized this idea over time that that was just like, oh, this is this widespread thing.
2: Just like a normal experience, yeah.
0: Right, right, like deep down, (laughs) deep down, everyone wants to be
1: a woman. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I just
0: no, it's fine. I mean, it's just funny to me. It's like like the 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 things that that um pre-transition trans women will tell themselves
1: to rationalize and minimize their own
0: dysphoria is uh it's pretty wild when you stop and think about it. And th- that's exactly what I was doing because if you don't have any access to trans communities and to other trans women then it it does not feel like a possibility. So why even pine for it?
1: Mhm <clears throat> Um,
0: another thing that happened around this time was I read a book by the author of Fight Club.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, um do you know this book? I know of it. I haven't read it. Um, it was like really important to a friend of mine. Um, oh, well, for, it was
0: really important to me too for different yeah things.
2: um what's it what's it called?
0: Invisible Monsters?
2: right the the thing is is that the the character like transitions cuz they want to like ruin their life right <laughs> yes no
1: yeah it, 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 like
0: like literally so the plot of the main character in the book with who had her jaw shot off in a freak accident on the freeway and mm-hmm. she becomes the invisible monster is, is basically what it is like She's moving through the world, and because she is her face is so disfigured, and it should be noted like up until that point, she was an up and coming model. Um, and so she's basically in the hospital having these major surgeries done, and during that time, she meets a trans woman who is there for her own, you know, various surgeries and reasons, and um. Over the you know you, you they basically you know have kind of these wild adventures across the country stealing hormones from rich people's bathrooms um, as as the trans woman goes through her one year r l e real life experience as a woman uh, as she awaits her bottom surgery
1: and
0: uh, shall I, should I spoil this entire book? Yeah,
2: I, I, I think I, it's been spoiled for me before if I recall. Okay. That. Okay. Well, spoiler alert for anyone
0: listening. <laughs> uh, I'm going to describe the, the entire twist and plot of this, this novel. So the, the novel is, doesn't take a linear uh, format to time and it kind of jumps around. And so through the course of it, you discover that the main character had an older brother who uh, came out to his family as gay and was ostracized, kicked out of the home. And then uh, a couple years later, they receive a phone call telling them that the brother had died of AIDS. What you come to find out is that the trans woman that the main character meets is the brother who has transitioned. Um and then you find out, oh by the way, this person transitioned as like, yeah, as an act of self-harm, essentially. Which right. is just like so fucked up. <laughs> like a yeah. really, 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 re- really fucked up, like plot for a cis gay man to write
1: yeah um like yeah <laughs> like it's, yeah no it's basically
0: like oh yes <laughs> transitions great if you're trans but uh it's it's fucking terrible if you're just you know a gay dude like me
2: it is and something someone like, would use to do this to themselves
0: right it's right
2: a, i can i can understand that as like an extremely harmful idea for a person to encounter um i yeah. i don't mean to like yeah like i don't know like um like uh, 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 my my friend who who this you know sort of book is very important to um the reasons it's important are like um I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I don't need to, like, defend her oh, no. on air. Because no, you don't, no, like she, uh, and... I, I can defend her. I can defend yeah, her. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it's, from what I've heard, I, I, I hear a lot I, of people I, say good things about book. this book. Yeah.
0: There are good things. There are good things. Don't get me wrong. Like, I want to make, um, I want to make it clear. Like, there are some very good things. The very good thing is, and this is what I took away at the time, was that the book was about not being um, held prisoner by your past. Yeah. Like, Like the main character, her name is Brandy Alexander, which obvious pun there. She um, she says to the main character, "You need to understand that your entire life is a story, and you just need to write it all out. And when you understand that that your story is just a a piece of paper, then you can crumple it up and throw it in the garbage, and figure out the person you're going to become. And like as a 19 year old you know uh i don't even know what the word i want to use here is like unrealized trans woman that was incredibly powerful to read that all the expectations that had been put on me as a child as a gifted child as you know this potential like Like my parents had all of these big plans for for me, for what I could become, but they were their plans and it was their vision. So to read somebody say this, like, hey, you don't have to become anything other than what you want to be. That was incredibly powerful and freeing. Like, like, reading that felt incredibly liberating. And, yeah. Uh,
2: I have to imagine yeah. that's also really sort of, like, dark in contrast with, like, this idea that it's, like, the worst thing you could do to yourself is transition. Um, I guess maybe, you know, append the the sort of, like, parenthetical, like, if you're not actually a trans woman, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're not actually. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like even sort of like, that just makes the stakes of it so high. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well,
0: and and the book goes on to describe, um, you know, in pretty good detail, uh, bottom surgery, like how both both versions that were, you know,
1: in vogue at the time, um,
0: which were, you know, inversion and, um, colon, yeah, like how they work and and whatnot, yeah, and it all and it focused a lot on on that surgery, and probably I want to say some others as well, like trachea shave and um various forms of like facial surgery,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it really like put a heavy heavy emphasis on those things, even as they're talking about hormones, like, I always felt like it put the greater emphasis on surgery, which as somebody who had never, and still never has had any surgery, uh, felt very intimidating. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, none of these things matter until you you get surgery. And it's like, well, I don't want to get surgery. That seems, that seems intense. Yeah, it is. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, well it basically what, what the book did for me was it made it very clear to me. Well, it also presented tr- transness as like in this very cliched trans people hate their bodies. Like, and if you don't actively hate your body, then you're not trans. Right. And it was like, put that, like that simple. Yeah. And, and also like mixed with the idea that um, people who are trans have always known that they were trans. So it's like, oh, well you've made it to adulthood without figuring this out. So you must, it must not be you.
1: Right. What's
0: funny to me though, is, is like, the idea of of being able to move beyond your past, of being able to write your own story, all of those words were conveyed, not by the main character, but by the trans woman. And, and like, those things resonated so heavily with me and I still didn't make that connection.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> but like, yeah, no, that was a book that I would read and reread for a few years. And I still have a copy of it somewhere, because um, it's interesting to go back and kind of read these things these pieces of media that I took in uh and 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 have that fresh set of eyes
2: yeah I've actually been thinking about and maybe I will do it as like a sort of practice for myself um because I do write I I have a degree in writing um I've been out of practice but I want to sort of be better about it um I've been thinking about rewriting Fight Club, um, except mm. for all, the char- all the characters are trans women.
1: <laughs> well, yeah,
0: of course. <laughs> just, if just you make all the characters that. trans women, every piece of media is likely to be improved by a good amount.
2: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if that'll happen, but um, I I, I've, I see my copy of it on the shelf right now and I'm like... a, a Fight Club? Yeah. Um,
0: that would be but, interesting.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: Especially
0: because I feel like that book is kind of a, like, satire of masculinity. It um, is. And so it would be interesting to, I don't know why. to yeah, to see that reworked in a different way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, huh. just to sort of, like...
0: There's, like, so many different ways you could go with it, too.
2: Right? It seems... Yeah, there's there's a lot in it that I think could be really fun. Um
0: like like I guess when when you're envisioning it, are they have they trans, ha, have any of them transitioned when the fight club begins?
2: Yeah, I mean my idea would be that it would be probably primarily for like trans women that are like Okay, so
0: it would start yeah, they would like, start out, okay? Because I yeah. can also see a situation because of like Going back to the the theme of like the cultish behavior of Fight Club, um, now that's probably not an area worth ex- <laughs> that seems dangerous to explore. Uh, but I could see a situation where like a bunch of nascent trans women are drawn together and like figure out that they are trans together and transition together um, yeah. in that in that group environment. But yeah, no, that's in the current political climate. That's probably not not a good idea.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it could be fun. I don't know. I mean, it I, could be
0: fun. Don't get me wrong, it's yeah. not a book that I don't think should be written. I can just see many reasons that like maybe maybe not right now. Um Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I'll, I'll keep it to myself. We'll think
0: about it. <laughs> point point being, uh there are definitely uh directions that that a rewrite could go. I like it. I really like that.
1: Feeling like I really want huh. to do it, so we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> cool but yeah, we so I haven't that's...
2: even really gotten to like you coming out as trans. I guess this is what happens, um, right? You, we talked at the beginning. You're the oldest guest that we've had so far.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, on the show, and, and that sort of means that you have had a you had a lot of life before. Um, coming,
0: it's like the mid 2000s, yeah, and it was another Mm -hmm. god. I mean, I haven't, yeah, it it was another like over 10 years before before that. Um,
2: and is is cross dressing continuing during this time? Yes, yes, okay. And are you do you have like partners during this time?
0: Uh, yeah, I was actually married for two years. Oh, Uh, wow, yeah. I got yeah, married at 23. Three. Okay. Don't recommend that at all, yeah. ever to anyone. Uh, yeah, I had partners.
1: I had uh, I had my first serious relationship at mm, 20, which lasted about a year. And
0: I and oh yes, the theme of moving continued throughout throughout my adulthood as well. Uh, I I actually had a little bottle cap that said, when in doubt, change zip codes and pretty, pretty much adopted that as a motto, (laughs) a philosophy of life, if you will.
1: Yeah, I, um, (sighs) yeah, the the cross-dressing really continued
0: throughout, throughout adulthood, um, really up until I transitioned to be honest. The interesting thing about that, I suppose, is that that was very much a secret until uh, I met my current partner in 2009. And within the first six weeks, I came out to her in like, probably like the worst way, Uh, you know, in in the like, I have this really big secret that I have to tell you. And like, just kind of projected my own shame or like, maybe not shame, but like concern and discomfort about it onto the conversation, which is not the way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. But she, she, you know, I, I think I was literally crying when I told her. And uh, she took it like a real, a real pro though, and was just immediately like, this isn't a big deal. <laughs> you, this is totally fine. Um, I don't know anything
1: about this, she said, but you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> like, kind of amazing. Yeah. It, um. And very unexpected, and
0: exactly what I needed, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like somebody who to just say, This is okay, this does not this does not change anything. And like she immediately set about researching cross-dressing and whatnot. Um, and like because the the one of the mistakes I think I made was I like swore her to secrecy.
1: Uh and she uh, so she had to like find a whole, like,
0: you know, support community to kind of discuss this and process it. Mm-hmm. She she ended up reading a couple books. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them mm, Not the Man I Married and My Husband Betty.
1: I haven't heard of those, no.
0: Oh, uh, okay. So they're written by a woman whose husband was a cross dresser who eventually transitioned. Mm -hmm. And so she had read those and she came to me uh, probably about nine months after I told her. And she was like, hey, um, you know, I read these things. And like, it was a situation where, you know, this person came out to their wife and then a few years later they realized like oh actually this is a gender thing and they ended up transitioning and she was like do you think that could be what's going on here and i was immediately like oh no absolutely not that could never be me i've thought about it long and hard and i'm definitely not trans you know, and kind of went through the cliches of what I had thought transness was at the time. You know, I'm not trans because I don't hate my body. I'm not trans because trans people, you know, knew from a a very young age and had always felt this way, et cetera, et cetera. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And like, the truth was, is that I hadn't thought about it. right? Because, yeah because thinking about it was scary thinking about it was a threat to like the entire life i was leading because if i had actually thought about it and given it you know any kind of analysis i would have quickly come to the realization like oh actually no i i I am trans
1: this is (laughs) this is
0: you know who I am and that's that's what's going on here but I was not in any place to deal with it because I still had a lot of like internalized transphobia homophobia misogyny etc from my youth like I had unpacked enough of it to like be like, okay, I can I can be around queer people, but I that doesn't mean that I'm had unpacked enough of it to actually be queer myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That still felt incredibly, incredibly dangerous. I mean, and now mind you at this point, I had I should say I actually hmm, one thing I should mention is that Um, I had, I had attempted, well, attempted isn't the right word, I had had, like, one gay experience at that point, which was basically, like, picking a guy up off of
1: Craigslist and, uh, going over to his house and dressing up
0: for him and going down on him. Um, and it was like one of these experiences where probably about two minutes in, I was like, well, this is a mistake. I'm not enjoying this at all. This is not hot to me. Um, this guy isn't attractive to me. But I had, I was very much like of the mindset of like, um, probably best to just like see this through, yeah. fair enough, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why, but I think also well, and I think I, I I really wanted to, like
1: Give it a shot of like, maybe it'll get better, you know? Mm-hmm. Like maybe I'm just nervous.
0: Maybe when I'm not kissing his bearded face, it'll be better. like, you know, yeah. and then ba- basically, as soon as I came, I was like, okay, well, this was fun. Not really, but you know, that's what I said. I was like, okay, okay cool. He's like, oh, do you want to, you know, want to stick around and watch? No, no, I'm, I gotta go. I'm, I'm gonna leave now. Yeah. And like, and that, like, one experience, like, made it very clear. I was like, well, not into dudes. Um, and, and so the idea of like being a trans lesbian really didn't, it didn't seem impossible because it just didn't seem like it was even a thing. Like it wasn't even a conception in my mind. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a part of it too. But yeah. yeah, so she, so she, so like that part I had given some thought to, like, okay, everybody seems to think I'm gay because literally anywhere I moved to and made friends with within a few months, most people thought I was gay. Like, like literal friends of mine, people I knew just thought that I was probably just like closeted and gay or just hadn't accepted it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, no, I know, I know who I'm attracted to and I know who I'm not. And I've literally experimented with that and found it to be,
1: not good right um
2: were you like engaging with like i don't know like did you like read or were you part of like any like online communities for cross dressing i know that those were like a thing. no
0: okay. they are they are a thing and actually my partner oh, yes. was she was she was in the in these groups and talking to people and yeah and so She was far more familiar with them than I was. Um, And we kind of had like a little bit of communication throughout like regarding this throughout that first year. And then one night she was like, she read,
1: she read this piece to me that was about, it was written, I believe by a cis woman.
0: And it was about this cis woman kind of going off about um, people who are into forced feminization
1: and kind of those types of kinks.
0: And how she found them to
1: be misogynistic and degrading towards women. Um. And like how they're often like clouded
0: in shame around femininity and whatnot. And so she read this to me and all I could hear was like intense judgment by the author.
1: And also like what it
0: felt to me like a complete misunderstanding of how I felt, which was very different. Like, I never felt so much internalized shame. Like, I never felt, oh, what I'm doing is wrong. But more that what I'm doing will not be accepted. It's, and that was, like, a subtle but important difference. Like, I never felt I should stop. I know a lot of people who did cross-dressing would go through, like, binge purge cycles. Um, I, never, I never did that. That seemed silly to me. It was like, well, if I'm not feeling this right now, I can just keep it in a bag and not access it. um Do it later. Right? Yeah, and it's like months, you know, a year. It does, it, why do I have to get rid of these things? It's not, it's not taking up that much room in my life or physically. So, um, so to hear that though was like really disconcerting and very painful, actually. And it shut down a lot of conversation between me and her. and she was like, "I didn't mean it this way. I didn't write this. This is a thing I found. I disagree with this person. But, like, like it was actually like kind of in some ways almost traumatizing to hear it read. Um, yeah, and it shut down a lot of conversation for us for for years, in fact, um Like, not conversation. Conversation about that topic, I should be specific. Right. So not just carte block. Right. Like yes, obviously we we stayed together and our relationship was, you know, fine. But on that front, it, it was um it was not great. Right. But yeah, so she so she she had learned a lot about
1: that. And she had confronted me and I had said and like confronted me is kind of, uh,
0: it sounds it sounds more aggressive than it actually was. It was just more of like, hey, here's some stuff I've learned. Does this apply? Because part of the deal was is you know we were both post divorce people. Like we had both been divorced, and both kind of like approaching relationships from a different perspective because of it, I think, and it was a thing we shared and we both wanted to have a kid. And so it was kind of like, hey, I wanna know, like, is this still a thing you you wanna work towards? Um, You know, do you wanna build a family together? That was kind of the impetus for her asking. And I was like, oh yes, absolutely. And no, and then, oh, by the way, no, you don't have to worry that I'm gonna suddenly you know, in many years, discover that I'm actually a trans woman and blow my life up, <laughs> which, of course, is exactly what ended up happening.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, well, you said
2: we, if. Did you say yeah. earlier that you're still together?
0: Yeah, we are.
2: Okay, so you did not blow it up that much. Oh no, I, no,
0: no. Well, <laughs> and I didn't, but
1: uh the the survival rate for a relationship
0: um when one partner transitions in the middle of it is
1: mind-bogglingly low i believe that i mean i I believe
0: uh, I you know, the late Mira Bellwether once told me that it was like it rivaled um relationships for doctors in residency. Like something like five percent of relationships survive this. Which is I I think that might be high. It might, it might be less than that because yeah. I, I I I've known many 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 adults, especially who transitioned uh, later. You know, late, later in life, which is to say, like after began transitioning after like twenty five, and very 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 few um, had their initial relationships survive, and even even like. My, my, you know, my current relationship survives, but not in the same structure. You know, we were a monogamous
1: um, cis couple, and that's no longer the case. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. So that wouldn't happen, though. You basically, she confronts me in two thousand nine, like late two thousand nine. We. Um, at that point we we're, we're, had just started living together.
1: Uh, and hmm, we, it would be like another two more, about another two years when we would
0: conceive our child in like, in like late 2011. Uh, So we had a kid in 2013 we moved to Michigan. We lived in Philadelphia at the time. We met in Philadelphia. I lived there for five years. And then we moved to Michigan where she was from, lived with her family for a bit.
1: And then we moved to Seattle in 2015. Uh, And in 2017, uh, we bought a home. Out uh,
0: about thirty miles south of Seattle, and moved in. And about four months later is when I finally like realized, oh, actually, actually, all of this all along has been has been gender stuff. (laughs) Turns out, turns out that, uh, yeah, not not all the boys want to be girls. And uh, what it was was actually and this is so weird. It was actually Reddit of all places that I figured it out on. Mm-hmm. I made the mistake—I I use mistake in air
1: quotes—one
0: uh, day of googling, uh, "Am I trans?" I had been fairly depressed for you know my entire life, and. I had always thought that like it was always life related, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm sad because I'm not in a relationship. Okay, I'm sad because of my job. I'm sad because of this, I'm sad because of that. Like everything always felt off. And it was like, well, everything will be okay when I get these, you know, half dozen things in order. And it's like one day, you wake up and you own your own home in the part of the country you want to live in with a wonderful partner. You have a kid, which is a thing you'd wanted, and you have a great job. Like I literally had my dream job, you know, at that point in my life. I, I, had a, I worked in a fine dining restaurant and didn't, you know, didn't have to work anything but dinner shifts and made it, you know, enough money and like everything seemed really, really great. And it's like, okay, cool. But why am I still having all of these like mental health issues? Why do I still feel so fucking sad? Why do I still have ideation? What's going on here? And then I was like, okay, well, let's just, Let's just rule out this thing altogether. I'll quickly just do a little Google search and this this will we'll figure out that it's not this, and we can try and figure out what it is afterwards. And uh, I found the, uh, what is it? The Ask transgender Subreddit, which, you know, has multiple, multiple people asking about their their experiences and i saw somebody who had kind of similar experiences to mine in some ways uh similar cross-dressing experiences and people linking to stuff like the null hypothesis is that have you are you familiar with that
2: yeah i've read that article
0: yeah and like really reframing it and then of course like the classic button test and all of these things and somebody else pointing out hey men wanna be men and women wanna be women and like what you think is going on, what you think is a universal feeling is not. And uh, yeah, it took about, I don't know, maybe three or four hours and I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) 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 Oh shit, this is me, isn't it? Like, And there was this sense of like relief and sadness and fear of like, well, fuck, now that I know this, I have to do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was like on a Sunday night. And I waited a couple days. And I came home from work like on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, put my kids to bed and sat down on the couch. And I was like, hey, we need to talk. And, she, and my partner looks at me. She's like, okay, I think if something was up, you've been kind of like on edge. I was like, yeah. And I started to relay the story that I had relayed earlier to, to you about her confronting me, you know, hey, do you think this might be a gender thing? And I was like, do you remember this? And she's like, no, I don't remember that. I'm like, I'm sure, I, I don't doubt that it happened, but I don't specifically remember it. I'm like, okay. Well, the thing is, is that I'm trans. And she looks at me and she's like, oh, yeah, I thought, I thought we might have this conversation one day. And was immediately, uh, she had been the first time I told her cross that I was a cross dresser, like, was extremely accepting and very happy for me. Um, and, like, had kind of the
1: best possible reaction, I, I would think. Um, and I think
0: I owe a lot of that to the fact that, you know, eight years prior, I kind of prepped her for it, you know. It didn't come out of nowhere, right? To the point that basically she she had spent the previous, you know, entire length of our relationship really prepared for the possibility, at least. No, not knowing how she would react in the moment, but knowing that it was a thing that could happen.
1: Um, and so.
0: And it turned out that she was just, yeah, the most supportive uh,
1: partner I could have asked for. Hmm. Yeah. That's lovely. <laughs> it really was. Like, like, and she was immediately, like, cool. Like,
0: uh, started, like, talking to people she knew to find, like, resources and... I mean, she ended up helping me find a doctor to get on HRT. Um, She helped me find a therapist. She helped me find, well, she ended up, (laughs) she ended up uh, downloading and giving me a copy of fucking trans
1: women by Mira Bellwether. Like, (laughs) yeah. It was, it was amazing. Um, Like she's been the the kind of partner
0: and supportive person that I think everyone should be able to have uh, when they come out and when they start their transition. Because like, it was probably 10 times less scary having having someone who who was immediately accepting and loving and supportive and ready to face all of the
1: challenges that were to come with me with really no hesitation um yeah Damn, that's that's awesome! I'm so happy for you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um. I, I
0: mean, I could
2: that, tell
1: you. Yeah, go ahead.
2: I was just gonna say, I think that colored um. Those kinds of five years of doing the sort of double life thing was, the fact that the first person I came out to, um, well, not the first person, like the third person, um, but my partner at the time, who was, I guess, like the most important person for me to come out to uh had a pretty terrible reaction and mm. um yeah it was it was hard but um i don't know life happens we were both 17. um i don't think oh yeah i hold it against uh, a 17 year old for not handling that discussion well i think that um yeah <laughs> it's hard um
0: no it is i mean i, I you're, I think for somebody who is not prepared for the possibility, it's incredibly hard, yeah, like for the people who whose partners come out to them and it truly does blindside them, I mean, there's just so much to like take in in that moment
1: mm-hmm.
0: that it's hard
1: it's hard for me to, like, super begrudge them. Because it's the kind of thing and maybe and maybe it's less so now
0: because it is twenty twenty three. But you know, I know for a long time it's just the kind of thing
1: where it's like most cishet people just don't have any conception of it. Yeah. You know, especially before the tipping point. Yeah, exactly. Like She was, I mean, you know, it's so funny because I just remember, like,
0: she was really tapped into a lot of things um, that I think most cis women were not. Like, she was, she knew all about MishFest. While all of that was going on in the early 20-teens, like, all of those, all of Camp Trans and, and whatnot, like, when all of those things were happening these were things that she was aware of, and was like vocally in solidarity with other trans women, or with trans women, um, you know, standing up to to all of that transphobic bullshit. One one interesting thing that I didn't know until I came out was that like she was um, one like one of the most formative books for her feminism was Whipping Girl by Julia Serrano. She's yeah. like, yeah, no, that's a foundational text for me. Like this is, like my feminism is based a lot on trans feminism, and it's like, wow, that's powerful. <laughs> and she was the person who really, you know, introduced me to feminism. Like I, I have to credit her with a lot of the like work that I did over the the years of our relationship to get to a place where I could be comfortable enough with myself to realize who I was. Um, because when we met, I wasn't. Like if we had, if if I had figured out I was trans um, before I was ready, like I would have been a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been one of the awful trans women that like
1: infects the fucking internet. Um, I did not have the like emotional
0: maturity, the necessary like empathy or uh, enough understanding of like the trauma that I had suffered
1: to deal with people as I transitioned because I was not in a place to
0: love myself and who I was. So it would not have gone well. Um, So I'm always very thankful for her patience and uh, the way she kind of held my hand throughout the relationship even at times that I didn't necessarily Deserve it, um, yeah. Like these days, I consider myself a an anarchist, and when we met, I was very much not. Um, I had, you know, naturally growing up the way I did, I had
1: uh, in uh, internalized a lot of like really just like shitty politics. And i'm I'm very, very thankful that together,
0: like she helped me grow past um, a lot of really like misguided beliefs that I had about the way the world worked and helped me see see things from other people's point of view, yeah, to to have a like a much better understanding. I remember one time she showed me there's um, there was this person who would dress. I don't don't know if you ever saw this. This was like a very like late 90s, early 2000s HTML website. But there was this person who would dress up like Peter Pan all the time. And like the, the website was just like pictures of them at Disney World at, you know, at the mall like taking pictures with people as peter pan and and she showed it to me and i was like oh this makes me uncomfortable and she was like why and, and i couldn't i couldn't figure it out and she was like
1: how is this different than like what you're doing because it was like
0: clearly similar in some ways but it was so much more public and i and i finally realized like oh this is what makes me uncomfortable is that like this person is opening themselves up for the entire
1: world to see
0: and what i do is extremely private and no one knows except my partner and and it was that that kind of like Spotlight that was the thing that always made me uncomfortable, and I was always uncomfortable around like any other, like any trans woman that I might come across in public, you know, at my job in a restaurant. And it was always because it was like, Oh, you're doing this thing,
1: and people can see it,
0: and like that was like a dichotomy that just like did not
1: like kind of broke my brain i was like ah i can't handle this so it was so over time eventually i i was
0: obviously like biggest leap was like i guess being okay with being seen as a as a woman actually that was, that was the breakthrough, I think, was like allowing other people to see, to see that and being okay with it and being comfortable with it and recognizing that it was not a bad thing at all. And like once I had unpacked and removed all of that internalized misogyny, then it was like, okay, now you can do this. Now you're ready to see it.
1: But I think up until that point, my brain was protecting me. Because having like talked to folks who
0: transitioned, you know, even 10 years before I did,
1: it would have been so much harder if I had attempted to do it then. Like the amount of access that opened up between like 2007 and 2017 was immense. All of the barriers that were broken down over that time and the introduction of like informed consent for HRT. And um. Oh shit! You there? Yeah, I'm there.
2: Okay, sorry, I, thought, I thought you were just pausing.
0: Ah, uh, no, no, no. My my earphones broke. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. No, no. I mean they're not really broken. They're just dead. Um. So, yeah. What was I saying? Oh, informed consent for HRT. Yeah, and also just the idea that like, oh, that's right. Trans women don't have to be straight. Trans women can can be lesbians and you don't need to you know have x number of months or years of real life experience to
1: start hormone therapy
0: all of those things
1: were were just kind of like huge barriers i think that
0: made transitioning so much more intimidating and then to find out like oh actually all of these things are gone. It's like, oh, whew, okay, this is much more approachable now.
1: It's much less daunting. So I'm, yeah. I always, I'm always
0: hesitant whenever I think like, oh, I wish I had transitioned earlier. And it's like, oh, be careful what you wish for. It would not have been as easy.
2: Right. No. I. I've been. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I think I. I think I probably said it, I've said it on the pod, that like, um, I don't know, yeah, like the the, the sort of lifetime where I um, am sort of like guided towards transitioning younger. Um, other things that were not related to my transition, but which would have like probably still been going on, I think that those would have combined with me transitioning and I would probably be dead by now. Like. <laughs>
0: Um, oh yeah, you you mentioned the theater thing yesterday.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'd been a theater kid, I think I would be dead by now. Um, not from theater, but I think. Um,
0: what would, the, I'm curious though, like like what what is the what is the set of events that would have occurred that would have led a a premature death to a young uh, theater Jolene?
2: Um, I think I'm I'm sort of. Uh, I'm 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 maybe glossing uh, theater as uh, leading towards a little bit more outward outward fagginess. Um, ah. perhaps, perhaps me um being even, you know, sort of like coming to be like, oh I'm trans at like a younger age. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and I was also a drug addict as a teenager. Ah. um and <laughs> I mean, i was I was already i i was I was still like outwardly faggy, but um enough so that, like I mean, i've also I was also very sort of physically imposing as a teenager, um okay, or at least able to appear that way. Uh, and so that was a um if if people started to like get on me for stuff, I would just kind of throw them a mean look and you know,
0: so things could have gotten more I, confrontational. I, I,
2: Things could have gotten more confrontational, I think, certainly, um, I think I would have also just i mean, like, yeah, I I, I I think that yeah there there's just a lot of there there's a lot of really bad stuff that could have happened, um and that didn't happen in part from like what I recognize now as like sort of like dysphoria or sort of like discomfort, and I guess my thought I was held back from doing certain things by that. And my thought is that I might've, if I'd been like a little bit more confident, if I'd been like a little bit more like outgoing, I might've actually put myself in worse situations.
1: Mm. Um. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, um,
0: that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's interesting then yeah. the serendipity of it, of not having done that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I. I remember like this instance where I was like I wasn't using drugs at this point. I'd like sort of. Um. I had been previously, but at this at this point in time, I was. I was off. But I was at the mall with some friends. Um. And we ran into this older guy that they like sort of vaguely knew. Um. We were all in high school. He was probably like, nineteen or twenty or something. Um. And I thought he was really cute. But was also sort of like petrified of sort of making anything about this known, um, and he was he was also a drug dealer, so that was like a sort of like mm. I don't know in my head if there had been like a sort of like me being like oh I could like make a move on this guy or oh I could like you know present myself as an option, um yeah I I, I could see that going very poorly for me.
1: Well, yeah, for sure.
2: That that's maybe that's like a lot of sort of like dramatic uh, extrapolation from a sort of small set of circumstances. But I I feel like there were that's not the only thing time that something like that happened, right? You know. Right. Right. Um, no, you,
0: it's not like you, you you're you're saying, Oh, if if I had done this one thing different, then this one incident would have gone different. But there yeah. was there was a bevy of of opportunities exactly. for you to really put yourself in a dangerous place
2: exactly um Mm. yeah i um so yeah it's that makes
0: sense though well once you once you explain that theater is actually just a uh a stand-in for uh more outwardly queer
1: yeah or
0: like because i'm like i was a theater kid and so i was like oh interesting what
2: (laughs) yeah I, i was i was a band kid so i was like Um, i did that too yeah i don't know i was
0: the two genders
2: (laughs) right yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh kid um yeah
0: i was i was bi-gender yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness okay well we've been going for like a really long time i know i know i'm sorry
0: i'm not surprised i can talk for for hours about
1: this shit. um yeah
2: yeah um i'm yeah but like god what's um i did want to ask about yeah um, you're also the first parent that i think i've had on this podcast oh um, wow yeah and i don't know that's just something i'm always i'm always really curious about sort of like i don't know what that is like
1: <laughs> so
0: yeah that's that was um that was a thing. Gosh.
1: Hmm. I
0: mean, you Which also part? don't have
2: to talk about this if it's like.
0: <laughs> no, I'm happy to talk about it. It's just like,
2: uh, it's, it,
0: I mean, it continues to be a big part of my life, obviously. My kids are yeah. uh, about to turn 11 in a oh. couple months. And I can't, when I came out to them,
1: I was. Well, no, they were five, they were five years old. But
0: like, one nice thing was, again, my partner being the
1: wise person that she is, like from a, you know, we,
0: we approached parenting from like a very, a very different place than either of us were raised. So she was like, hey, let's do some gender neutral parenting. Um, and a lot of this stuff was just like very obvious to me, like, let's not, let's not like prescribe which types of toys our kid is going to play with. Let's not, um, you know, make one type of clothing accessible and another type not. So, for example, when we went to go shop, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to the boys' section or the girls' section. It was, we're just going to shop for the clothes and, you know, get input, especially as, as our kid grew older. Like, what do they want to wear? Um, and so that made a lot of this easier when, we came, when I came out because from a very early age, we had had these kinds of gender talks with our kid. Um, like we had a book that had what was called like the gender wheel on it and we really introduced our kid from a very young age to an expansive view of gender eventually we wouldn't even describe our parenting as gender neutral so much as like gender full In the idea of like yeah gender is just a thing that you get to kind of experiment and figure out and you get to do this at your own leisure and do what what feels comfortable and explore the places you want and so by the time i i came out to my kid i'm sitting there and i'm like okay hey you know this is how i feel and this is what's what's going on And here are the steps I'm going to do. And here's some changes you might notice. And my
1: kid looks at me. And they're like, well, you don't have to do all of that.
0: Like, with the idea being, I don't have to do all of that to be a woman. And I'm like, I know, but I want to.
1: (laughs) Which is
2: like. I'm sorry for laughing,
0: that, that's, a, that's <laughs> adorable, that's awesome. I know, it is. It was like, <laughs> it was like the like warmest response that a five-year-old can give you, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like you don't have to put all this effort in and it's like, oh no, I know, I know, thank you. But yeah, yeah. the, uh, the hardest part was getting my child to stop calling me daddy. Mm -hmm. And we eventually sat down and we're like, hey, we need to discuss a different word. (laughs) Anything you want, literally anything. It can be a different version of mother. Like you can call me by my first name. I don't care. Just literally anything else, but you can't, I can't have you in the grocery store calling me daddy (laughs) that's not gonna work so um we 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 you know we gave like we sat there and we brainstormed a list and wrote them all down on like a whiteboard and eventually my kid picked uh otter as like a short version of audrey a-u-d-r otter and uh yeah
1: and so yeah Still that's still what my kid calls me to this day is honor. Mm. Um
0: and now and and so like before that, or you know, at the time, um my partner they would call they would call my partner Mama, and now they just call my partner by their first name. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we're we're those parents. We're the parents whose kids call us by our first names, basically.
1: Okay.
0: Um. and and so then as far as the other thing would be you know having having this kind of genderful uh, philosophy to raising a kid it was like well what gender is a kid gonna
1: be because <laughs> we don't know yeah and eventually um, eventually like
0: it it kind of bounced around for a little bit, especially around like six, six, seven
1: years old as they kind of tried different things. And then eventually they settled on like
0: almost like a gender apathy in some ways, but they really strongly settled on like not being gendered and going with a they-them for people they didn't know. And okay. then and then yeah. And then for people like that
1: they had met and that they knew it was their birth gender, but or their birth sex or however you want to put it.
0: Uh, wow. But yeah, so it's like, oh, when referring to my kid, I don't need
1: to gender them and that's the way they would like it. So very easy to to do. Um, otherwise, I don't know, being a parent, like there have been, I don't know, some awkward
0: experiences, like they have an ophthalmologist that they see about every six months. And so it was like, I'm presenting one way when we started seeing this ophthalmologist and we're never going to discuss this, but all of a sudden I'm presenting this other way. And using a different and using a different name and, and whatnot. So, but a pediatric ophthalmologist in Seattle, Washington, isn't going to be very, you know, it's going to take a lot more than that to phase them. They're very professional. (laughs) Yeah. Like they see so much. So I, I, I do credit like a lot of actually of my personal transition experience to, being in this area and this region. Um I kind of always wonder if I subconsciously wasn't drawn back here because I probably knew that it would be better.
2: <laughs> Easier to transition. Yeah. But yeah. That's, easy- that's a classic sort of right. Um you know, you 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 move you move in order to transition, you move to a new city or um I don't know. Many people have done that. I did that.
0: Well, yeah. There's, well, I mean, on one hand, there's like moving away from the place you were, you know, to kind of like cut ties or to like be in a new environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, it was, re- it might have been related to that, but it was also like finding a place where it could, it had the best potential to go well.
1: That makes sense.
0: Because like, on a certain level, I think I always knew that this area was going to be, I mean, it was it was for sure gonna be safer than North Carolina or Virginia. Yeah, um, that's true. yeah, Philadelphia probably would have been okay, but like Michigan certainly wouldn't have been, Western Michigan especially. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like there was a whole coming out experience at work, but I we could save that for another time. <laughs>
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, 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 theoretically planning on it. Um, if we can find a a good time, um,
0: if we can only get four adults to, to have two hours of free time that intersect.
2: You would think, you know, actually, no, this is about as hard as I'd expect it to be. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Um, we're just shy of three hours. Oh my God. No, it was great. No, it's great. This has been a really great episode. I might cut it up for the audience's benefit. Um, just no, to, to I sort am... of have. Um, but uh, it's great. No, it's no, awesome. I, yeah,
0: I talk so much that. Yeah, it, feel... No, but it was
2: really great and it was really good. Um, it was? Okay. I yeah. don't. Yeah, I
0: have no concept, so I don't know.
2: No, it was. <laughs> It was it was really, really great. Okay. Um do you have anything you wanna plug for the audience? Or plug to the audience or plug to the
0: audience. Oh gosh. I don't know. Do I anything mean... do
2: cool you wanna shout out?
0: <laughs> uh anything cool I wanna shout out. Hmm. Hmm. I'm sure there is, and I'm gonna be mad mad later on when I um when i can't think of it
2: you can just send me a voice message and i'll edit it then right oh there we go there we go yeah that's that's probably um, what i'll
0: do because i'm just like uh i'm drawing a blank here i did not i did not yeah. expect you know, to need a soundcloud or something to
2: <laughs> well thank you so much for you're very us welcome here. thank you for having um, me this is awesome this is really really cool i'm really excited to share this with people Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far. Um, I know that the long episodes are a little intimidating, but uh, I promise that they're good. <laughs> I mean, if you're you got here, you're not the one that needs to hear this message. Um, it's everyone else, all the all the weaklings that don't get here. Um, thank you for supporting us on Patreon if you do. And um if you don't, thank you still for listening to the show and engaging with it. Um, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, we're always you're always welcome to. Uh, if you can't, if you still want to show us some love, you know, tell your friends about us. Um, tell anyone about us. You can DM me if you want some stickers. Um, I can I can send you some stickers in the mail, and you can put them up wherever the cool transsexuals hang out in your city, <coughs> so they'll be like, "What's this? What's this weird QR code?" Um, and scan it, and then listen to uh, listen to this. Listen to us going on. Um, holding forth, (laughs) holding court. But yeah, thank you so much. Um, Final thank you to Audrey. (laughs) Hey,
0: you're welcome. Thank you for having me and letting me just ramble on about my life. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's (laughs) been a pleasure.
2: Yep. Well,
1: good (laughs) night.